Welcome to Sketch Magazine Podcast, hosted by Bill Nichols, Senior Editor of Sketch Magazine, John Wilson, Editor of Sketch Daily over at ComicRelated.com, and myself, Robert W. Hickey, Publisher of Sketch Magazine and Co-Founder of Blue Line. Come back after the music and find out what we have to offer in this episode. Sketch fans, this is John once again, and you have located the Sketch Podcast. I am here, as always, with Bob Hickey and Bill Nichols, and tonight our topic will be constructing the cover. How you doing, guys? Doing great, John. How are you? I am excellent, and that was Bill, and... Hey, John, this is Bob. How you doing, bud? And there's Bob. I'm doing fantastic. So constructing the cover, a very important task because, of course, the cover is what draws the reader in. The cover is the first thing they see on the shelf or the table uh, if they happen to be at a con. So what goes into a good cover? Um, Well, even before this podcast, we were talking about how some of us have been retailers or worked in retail and stuff like that. So as we get into it, some things uh, we need to be thinking about is where this cover is going to be shown, like you said. Is it going to be in stores? Is it strictly a con issue? Or is it strictly a digital issue? So those are three factors you really need to take in designing your covers. Or are you just a traditionalist and you want to do it as covers always been? So so what, what are some factors out there? Say you're a traditionalist designing a cover. Bill? Okay. One thing, very important thing is your logo. You have to figure out where you want that logo, as well as your cover image. Those things work in conjunction, and sometimes they work sort of against each other, but you have to sort of take in the elements of all the things that you're going to do for that book or that issue. If this is your, say, your your logo for the entire run of, of your book, uh, are you going to put it at the top where it is visible? If it was, say, on a newsstand type situation, that, that kind of rack, or if is it? Are you going to go against the grain and put it somewhere else on the cover? You really have to look at that as a as a design element. Right. So um, you're saying the cover kind of, dress. That's sort of the term they use. Is that yeah. think about your cover dress? If you're doing a mini series or whatever, four issues, three issues, whatever where things are going to be at the same place on each cover, if possible. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen, I've, here and there, I've seen a, a few experiments with that. But even those things where, where somebody, whoever designed the cover maybe uh, changed it up a little bit. Each issue maybe had uh, the, the logo worked into the actual, like as a billboard, say, or uh, something into the actual art. But even there, it was a theme. Right. But it was still striking, and in that sense, it worked right. as far as a design element. Well, one of the first things you got to think about is your logo, though, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And we're not even talking about design logos. That's a whole other podcast. But you got to have a logo that's legible, easy to read. You can see it from a distance, especially if you're looking at this thing being at conventions or in a store. Um, people are saying in anywhere three to six feet away from you, they want to, they got to be able to read it. It's like a billboard. It's your billboard. Um, real fancy, real cursive, real busy logos may or may not work for you. So yeah, I've seen some that don't. You have to. Oh yeah. So and you got to play with your colors and the logo. Really play with the contrast. Um, what do you think about covers that are drawn by other artists because they're really cool and they draw great, but yet they don't put anything on the inside. As a fan, I I like that sometimes. Uh, now, as a fan or as a collector, I guess maybe a little bit of both because there are a lot of artists that I'm a fan of, and sometimes that's the only recent example, say, of their work. Right. Maybe uh, that they do a cover, and like Dave Dorman used to do all kinds. You know, he do these awesome, awesome, awesome covers. That was a great a way to get get some Dave Dorman art, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, there are others, but, you know, it's not a deal breaker for me sometimes if I know that going in. But, I mean, we all, 
we've grown up with, you know, the big companies say, well, okay, we'll say Marvel having maybe had a cover that had nothing to do really with the inside art. And that is sort of disappointing. It can be. So I, you know, it's from both you know, perspectives. I don't know. You know, I, 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 my, my thoughts on it, and this is just a recent thought is that here recently Marvel's been doing your standard cover and then they've been doing the variant covers and they're all like a buy 10 of this and you get one of these variants to buy. And you get a J. Scott Campbell or you get, you know, a theme of the month if it's Iron Man covers or Wolverine covers or whatever. And, and they're sort of nice. And there's people who collect those because they feel like those are smaller runs. There's less of those books out there. And they may become more collectible. Um, I mean, I'm always a fan. I used to be a fan, you know, of, of say, if John Byrne did a cover, cool, awesome. George Perez did a cover, awesome. But when you crack that book open, it still has a stand up. You know, you can't you can't crack open a George Perez cover and have stick figures on the inside. Right. So you're not going to sell that book. So, John, you got quiet on us. No, I was just uh, listening to uh, I was listening to all the good information. Um, I have gotten burned once or twice on that uh, that whole cover thing, though. Uh-huh. So especially if you're buying trades, that tends to happen a lot. That you won't always have the uh, you you won't always have the interior artist um, doing the cover art. Especially uh, Marvel is especially guilty of that, actually. Right. Um, especially if it's uh, if it tends to be a book that features or uh, is even starring a female character, uh, you'll tend to have. Uh, like your Greg Horn or J- Greg Land J. or uh, J. Scott Campbell, yeah. uh, you know, uh, occasionally, uh, you, you know, Michael Turner art will still pop up, which, you know, I'll gladly buy anything Michael Turner right. ever did. But um, it is a little disconcerting to get that and then go inside and, you know, it's just the most absolute horrid mess you've ever seen so right you, you do have to be smart as a consumer these days especially uh with making sure you know you're getting what you want out of the book right i think i think the worst case is marvel's on this also is where they'll throw a j scott campbell cover on something you crack it open and it's this real simplicity manga artwork on the inside yeah. and you're going huh and they'll do it on characters that you sort of want to read, maybe X-Men or something like that, but you're just going, and I personally just go, no. You know, I, I don't care to look at that art on the inside. I love the cover, but for three ninety nine or two ninety nine, no, it's not going to happen. Um, so I always think... I think a lot of... Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was about to say, I think a lot of times that uh, it happens a lot more when they have uh, new artists that they're trying out. Sure. Uh, or, you know, someone who's not necessarily the highest profile. Uh, they'll throw those alternate artist covers on those to, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's a blatant attempt to, to suck people in. Yeah. Well, they'll, yeah, they'll exactly. do something like a Hero for Hire book, and they'll say, you know, buy 10 of this book, and you get this J. Scott Campbell cover. Well, right. I have fans of J. Scott Campbell. So, right. you normally might sell three or four copies of Heroes for Hire, but you might bump it up to ten to get that Campbell book to get the ten bucks to offset buying those extra issues, which then you actually end up breaking even or losing money, so it really didn't benefit you. Other than you did right. take care of a customer. So, and Marvel knows this. They know the game they're playing. You know, what retailers want to play it? We played it when I owned the store. I mean, we had to. We had customers that wanted covers. You know, we we did the whole collect up 40 copies of this, traded in for this limited edition because I had a customer that wanted all the Deadpool covers. So right. it was crazy. I let Bill, Bill Love, who worked for me and still works at the shop, handle it. But mm-hmm. they do it. Now, I really like when you, you've got solid work inside, so you've got nice covers. And I personally, when I look at the future projects we're going, we're working on, say, you know, Camelot Forever, I've got Eddie Newell drawn the insides. We'll definitely have an Eddie Newell cover for the standard copy. But right. do I contact somebody like, you know, I know Dave Dorman, um, maybe have a cover, 
do we contact David Michael Beck, a friend of mine, who's done all these G.I. Joe covers and he's done all kinds of stuff. Do we contact him for an alternative cover? Or something they did with Joe, which was nice, is for a back cover, highlighting characters. Um, if you all remember the early Devil's Do G.I. Joe's was cool because he had the nice covers on the front with Campbell and a bunch of people. Then each issue had a David Michael Beck cover on the back which was just a single character, showing off a single character. So there's a lot of things that you can do like that to make variants. And, of course, the variants are shorter run. But designing a nice cover, we start with a nice logo. We have that. Now, what are you looking for on the cover? What will entice you? Well, I would say now I would look at something about the book inside because I've, I've said it before, I don't, I don't buy new comics anymore. I mean, there's no comic shop locally. Um uh, and I, I look at trades a lot, at, say at Barnes and Noble and stuff. You know, that's where I, I go for my books. But uh, you know, I have been to Chicago <laughs> two years ago. But I mean, oh. I, I play catch up, and I, I get a like a crash course in what's new and what's what's come out lately. And uh, every so often, you know, I might see some. You know, I, I I do get emails, the emails from Marvel, with, you know, they have the new covers and all that stuff. And thankfully, they show some of the interior art, so you know you do get a sample. I right. I do, I can see, because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they don't match. You know, the the covers what we were talking about before, the covers are maybe really nice, and the, the insides are eh, different style, or you know the cover is it's okay, but it's by you know maybe a fan favorite artist, and the insides are actually you know pretty decent. Mm-hmm. A little information about the cover, something that sort of that will draw me in, make me want to buy that book. Okay. That, that sort of whets that appetite. Are you looking for? Okay, a big thing now with Marvel is group shots or character shots. You know, Wolverine standing there with a few other characters, the X Men all grouped together, Iron Man. Are you looking for something? When you think of your well, covers, think... do you look at? Okay, I'm doing four issues here, so cover one should be the group shot to introduce everybody. Cover number two maybe be something on the inside because we want them involved in the story. You know what I mean? Remember the right. old Prez covers for Justice League and Justice Society where he packed right. all kinds of stuff in there and you knew so-and-so was blowing up something and all this action and it was on the right. cover. It told us what the story was about on the cover. You don't see a whole lot of that right now. You see no, some I... really pretty posters on your covers right now. Right. And I've seen... I've seen you know, ads for some of those same covers as posters and as prints. And, I mean, that's another thing that they have to look at, you know, getting things on the back end um, through their, whether it's their store or whatever. Um, So that, for them, I know that that's a merchandising decision too. But sometimes if you use that as your cover, you're sort of playing it safe. Mm -hmm. And I've said before, I respect clever um, you know, I've seen the the issues of the the uh, covers for issues of a miniseries, maybe, or a story arc where they form one tableau, and that is to me, if you can pull that off, say you're, I mean, if you were George Perez, yes, you you could do it, you know, any day of the week, because you know he's good, mm-hmm. he's awesome, and but each cover is its own separate cover, but it's also part of a whole. That to me is clever, and then that gives me something that is intriguing, and it that appeals to another sense, you know, part, another sense of my uh, comics love, or my uh, in my comics brain, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a really bad example, maybe of that, but uh, off the top of my head. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I I do like clever, and, and it doesn't make me. Uh, Say be you know it's sort of intellectual in a way, maybe not, but uh, to uh, to like something for just other than than pretty pictures, right? We'll say right. So so picture and, and right. some and usually the, the title and some logo where it's almost like they as as if they have thought about what they're putting on the cover rather than just take something. That they've, you know, uh, gotten a freelancer to do, or somebody they paid somebody right. to do a cover kind of thing as a uh, 
Well, so many people nowadays they look at a cover, and I, I've I've caught myself with with the new property coming up forever, is I'm like, okay, now that's gonna make a nice print. You know, it's designed something that that sort of gets people hooked, but then we can do nice prints, we can do lithos, we can do this, this, and this, because being a small studio, we gotta try to merchandise everything as much as we can in different areas. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, but let's go back to cover. The cover, you have to have a logo. You have to have a solid image. You need to have the creator's names on it, I believe. Right. So the visual, I'm looking for a name that I recognize or don't. A studio name, there again, I'm looking for something that, to catch me here. Is it, is it you know, Top Cow? Is it Marvel? Is it Arcana? Who, who's this coming from? Have I heard from them before I pick it up? Okay, nothing's still hitting me. Next, give me a little blurb. Tell me something. You know, entice me with just a few words to pick that cover up. So you've, you've got your logo has to grab me. Your artworks have to grab me. I'm looking at the name to see if I know who you are. I'm looking at the studio to try to figure out if I know who you are. Good thing is I'm still looking, so something there's working. Next, give me a blurb. Within the blurb, I can figure out something about it. Dodds are I'm going to pick it up, at least crack it open, and uh, see. Now I know this seems like whoa, this is way overthinking about it, but it's really not. Being a being a retailer, I cannot. Well, being an ex-retailer, I cannot hand sell every book out there. Right. And. Truthfully, the books I'm going to hand sell are going to be the ones I'm going to sell 10, 20, 30, 50 copies of. Because I've got them sitting there. i got to move them. So the independent stuff, like what I'm publishing, even, no matter who picks up this property, still going to be independent. Um, you know, you get two or three copies of that. So i got to help that retailer as much as possible sell my book. Right. You know, by you know being the best piece of artwork, the best coloring placement, um, and everything. So you've got to put all the elements together to try to sell them. That's why I'm saying, you know, go all the way. You know, your logo, your name, your studio, great piece of artwork, and a blurb. Tell me something inside. Don't have to be a paragraph, but a blurb. You know, I, I got this book, and I was trying to find it here. I couldn't find it. It was It's something librarians. Um, I forget who published it. It's, it's one of the smaller publishers. I went to the shop last week. I saw the cover. I'm like, that's interesting. One and two's out. Don't know why I passed up on one. But the artwork was quirky, looked nice, solid coloring. And it was it was something like, I don't know, something something librarian something. And I'm like, that's sort of weird. I picked it up. The artwork looked solid. I have not read it yet. I went ahead and bought one and two. They're sitting here for me to read. So it's sort of like, it caught me. One aspects, one of those aspects caught me enough to make me not only buy one, but go ahead and grab one and two to give it a shot. Now, if I come back for three, we'll see. Story's got to grab me now. Right. Um, when is it a good time to use a wraparound cover? You're talking about, I love, <laughs> I'd say this, being, well, being an ex-retailer, I'd say it. I love gimmick covers. Mm-hmm. Remember Kamiko when they, they did Mage and they did the wraparound covers? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, oh my gosh! I loved Mage. I was nuts about that book, Matt Wagner. Um, yeah, that was Tell so cool. It. Yeah, that was very cool. You know, DC Marvel over the years has used a few wraparound. I love group shots. Yeah. I love, and that's something I want to do with Skystorm in the future. Is I want to get a group fold-out cover design with all of our characters, whether it's for our Who's Who book or what. I love that kind of stuff. I bought a $40 Thor collection because it had a tri-fold out poster of this beautiful shot, updated stuff of all the Thor characters on it. I was like, wow. That is awesome. Um, it had some Jack Kirby artwork stories in it, which, hey, that was good in itself, you know. But uh, this poster was beautiful. And then they had a breakdown of the poster with the numbers and names and everything. So, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it was like, wow, okay, I'll take it. This is too cool. So cover, covers are very, very, very important. And, and then building your cover, you need to think of where it's going to go. In a store, at a convention, 
we all hope we get in stores, I guess. I guess most people hope they get their books in the stores. So, building successful cover. What do, what do you have to do to get it into the store to help them sell it? What are the aspects that you're looking at that racking, displaying, uh, you know, where are you going to be? How can you build a successful cover? Well, I think if you're if you have a local shop that you can, and you're you know on good terms with the you know the, the retailers there or the clerks or whoever, if you've got a mock-up of your cover or even actually the, the cover in progress, get some feedback. Yeah. You know what what's it going to take? I mean, use that's a resource that that's right there. Right. Um, I mean, you have friends. I mean, when we when we used to do uh, conventions and I did the portfolio reviews and you know, two or three guys would come in in the in the same row at, at the same time. Uh, it it seemed that some of them seemed surprised when I would say, you know, do you show your your work to your friend here? You know, and, and maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But I'm like, that's a resource right there. Uh, and your comic shops are the same thing. I mean, that's it's right there that you can draw on their experience. Uh, because these are people that you're shooting to, you know, you're you're hoping to put your book in their their shop. Right. Uh, plus, that sets up sort of giving you a home base for your your book, your studio, your company, whatever, uh, a store, a retailer that you have uh, ties to that help, who in turn may help you sell more books than you ever thought. Right. You know, just because you are local, and we've talked about. You know, local artists before too, but um, what's going to sell that book in that store? I mean, what kind of clientele? Because you may have two or three retailers. You may be lucky to have that many retailers within, um, you know, quick traveling distance where you can get a, a, a variety of opinions because what works in one may not work as much, just partly because of the, the setup or the racking or mm-hmm. uh, even lighting. Right, stuff like that, the nuances, and, you know. Well, I, I think what you gotta look. Local stores are great. We gotta look in general all stores. If you're if you're gonna go through diamond, you're gonna get distributed. Um, you're gonna either gonna be full face out, which if you are, you're very lucky, or you're gonna be half or three quarter face out in a waterfall type shelf. And that's where you're stuck into a pocket, and only the top third or top half of your book is shown. So within that area, can you sell your book? When the top third of your book, can you sell it? Because that's all people are going to see once it's off the new shop, new rack. But sometimes there's some there's some stores out there that never even full face out any books. They automatically go into pockets, and then they get a little tag, but I'm new this week. And I never liked that setup, but um, there's stores out there I've seen them. So within the top half or top third of your top book, can you sell it? Can you put on there enough to make somebody want to pick it up? Um, and those are factors that you got to think about if you're going that route. If you're going the distributor route, store route, you got to think about how can I sell this book with only a third of my cover. Now, some people don't give a dang. You know, they're going to put it out and... The way they want it, design it the way they want it. They're the artist, and that's fine. It's your property. You do. We're just trying to give you most successful ways and things to think about when you are doing that. Um, if you're doing conventions only and you're building your sales online and conventions, you don't have to worry about racking at that point. Have fun with it. You know, and there's properties with Skystorm. We're going to do that way. We're going to go heavy digital. And anything we go to print will be for online sales and for convention sales. We can do anything we want with those covers. You know, we can put the logos top, logos in the bottom, logos right outside, no logo, do anything we want. Because um, we're hand selling that at that point in time. We're creating our sales, either online with previews, uh, online with, you know, pushing at conventions. Um, we're hand selling it. Um, I, I would never design 
a new issue without a logo. I mean, I might have a variant cover without a logo, but I have at least a name on at least one. So people walking by might recognize that name because they saw it online or they seen it some post or something, and it might grab them. But, uh, yeah, you need to think about where it's going to go before you construct your cover. It's very important. Well, hmm? there's a couple of things you have to remember with well, with both those things you mentioned, one with digital, mm -hmm. you have to remember that your cover at some point is going to get potentially shrunk down to as small as small. like 120 by 120. Could even be 60 by 60 on some things. Right. So if there's not something about your cover that pops out, the eye of the, uh, of the viewer is going to jump right over that. There's got to be something, and this is true for pretty much every every cover anywhere. There's got to be something about your cover that's going to make someone visually want to stop. It's true for the for the con table. I mean, I myself have walked down the center of a two-sided row. How dare you! And and scanned every book for a fraction of a second. Mm-hmm in that one row um, and just walked right through and not stopped because nothing caught me. Right. You know, you, you've got to, you've got to catch me to get my, to get my, you know, limited teacher funds, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not a million dollar organization. I can't buy every book out there. You really got to sell me on your book. And that's true with digital. That's true with the comic rack. If your book looks like everything Marvel puts out, and you know yours is a name that I've never heard of, mm -hmm. I'm not going to bother with you. You know, if there's nothing on that cover that is going to really pull me in, um, you know, some of the things you were saying. Uh, one thing I always kind of liked that, uh, it, you know, somewhat shows my age, but speaking covers where people would talk wow on the cover would say something you know like uh they're putting out um they're putting out one of those giant size uh dc um things for justice league mm -hmm. and i forget the numbering but uh you know it's one of those covers that uh is a big group shot with one of the characters saying don't touch me or the world will explode or something like that, you know? Right. Now, that that's something like that's at least going to make me stop long enough and pick it up and go, okay, why is the world going to explode if someone touches him? You know, I'll at least stop long enough to flip through it. Right. That, that plays a part of the blurb it, concept. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Or having that thing in the corner that says, in this issue, everyone dies. <laughs> you know, it's... And, you know, probably the chance is pretty good. Not everyone's going to die in that issue. Right. But it did stop the person long enough for, you know, for them to take more than that one second look of an image. And that's really all you've got yep. to catch people. You've got like one to maybe ten on the outside seconds to really catch somebody's eye before they move on to the next thing right. in any in any medium, yep. digital, con or comic book shelf. It's all the same, and it's true with any sort of uh, publication. You know, um, magazine racks have the same problem. You know, look at how many different magazines there are now for uh, for graphic design, mm -hmm. or for uh, you know, like uh, entertainment magazines. Going to a Borders, like Bill said, you know, there's there's at least a good. 75 to 100 entertainment magazines oh, yeah. that come out every month. So, you know, you've really got to be a draw and, you know, at least 75, if not a higher percentage of those are telling the exact same story. Right. You know, it's 100 things on the latest Iron Man movie or, you know, 100 things on, you know, yet another Twilight movie or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. But as a designer, you've really got to pull people in quickly. 
Yes. Or you're not going to sell. I mean, you, we've we've all lived long enough to see many a uh, many a comics magazine come and go. Um, you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember a few really good magazines that are now gone. I mean, you know, I actually still miss Starlog. Right. Uh, you know, I desperately miss Starlog magazine because I was an avid reader of that for years. But that went belly up. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. John, I agree with you. I like uh, when you talk about the talking covers, I always envision those old Supermans, you know, yeah. like stay away from that monkey it's covered in kryptonite or something. I don't know. It's the death of Superman. Right. The, the covers made a statement about what was inside. Those were cool covers, but nowadays, I mean, I, I totally get the whole, um, you know, every cover's a pinup, basically, and, right. and everybody's trying to get as much out of that pinup as possible. And I get it, Be, running a studio, I totally get the whole concept of that. Everything has to has to, you know, have a multi-purpose, but you also got to give me something on the inside of it. Um, X Factor cover I passed up today. It had um, Wolfbane pregnant and some dude standing behind her holding her, you know, showing her belly. And I'm like, nah, not enough yeah. there to tell me to pick it up to see what's inside. Now, if I was an X Factor fan and I love those characters, I've probably been all over it, you know. But I, I read it when when the book falls into other storylines that I'm I'm doing on the X stuff. But no. That that cover wasn't enough to uh, grab me. So well, there's two big mistakes that uh, that a lot of covers are making now. Two, one, this trend to go completely naked of everything except a single cover image. Mm -hmm. Like I get it, but it does nothing for me. And really, it's only the big boys that can usually get away with that because their characters are well-known enough. Right, right. That they can buy that. Or, you know, I didn't really care for, uh, and this was a big Marvel thing for a while, where they had the frame mm -hmm. with everybody's face. You know, every Marvel character's face was in the frame, and then whoever's book it was was in the center of the frame. right. I didn't really like that so much. And then the other thing, and, you know, sadly, this is a Marvel thing, too. And, you know, I don't mean for this to be a bash on Marvel thing, <laughs> but they're guiltiest of it. Um, when they do uh, books lately, they invariably seem to sell out yeah. quite quickly. And then they'll come out with that variant cover or that, you know, that different cover. And... uh I'm always suspect that so many books are selling out. Well, I, I really wish they would utilize the back cover more, as you were saying a, a while ago. Uh, you know, because I really think that's something that a lot of companies got away from was utilizing the back cover for something more than just the latest video game ad or right. whatever. Um, sort of take up for Marvel, and I don't want to get in the whole di distribution thing. But yeah, yeah. Um, what happened was a couple of years ago, D um, Diamond, who's the major distributor of comics, decided they mm -hmm. weren't going to warehouse as many back issues as they had in the past. Marvel decided to print exact print runs of initial printings. So that sort of fell through because they were constantly reprinting all the time. Um, right. But they were printing small amounts. Um, so they've sort of fallen midway. So I sort of get... If, if you, you've got a, a book and all of a sudden that storyline catches on or it has a cool character, it's going to sell out. They'll go back with a new cover. Yeah, that second printing is a little less or probably a lot less than the initial printing. And, you know, it's sort of got more books out there. Um, on the flip side, the second cover is probably more valuable than the first one because there is less. Right. But I know um, Image is doing some of that stuff like – um. And, and I'm sort of glad in some ways that some companies are because Morning Glory, I haven't read it yet. Um, I know Shadowline's involved, and that's one of the companies we're talking to. So I wanted to see right. what it was. Well, two came out. I grabbed it. But one was sold out, 
So then 3 came out today along with a second printing of 1. So I'm able to grab second printing 1. I had 2. I've got 3 now. So I'm going to sit down and read all 3, look at the packaging, you know, just get a feel on what this book's about. Um, so it's sort of a good thing. Is it a tool? Is it a hype? Sure. Does it work? Sometimes. I know we sold a book called Chew in the store. Uh, right. They were constantly going back to print with that book. Readers were constantly coming in asking us for copies of it. So there was a purpose to it. So it, I think it works very well for some small independents who are building their readerships. They're working the medias. They're working the f Facebooks and uh, websites and uh, chat boards. And they got people out there wanting the book. So they're constantly kicking up another printing, throwing a different cover on it. Sure. Well, I think in the case of Chew, that was definitely something that built a following uh, word of mouth mm -hmm. and uh, over the internet, and you know a lot of those other, a lot of those other things, because it was kind of a, it became the little book that could. After a while, you know, you'd hear from it from someone, a friend of a friend, sort of thing. Right. They'd say it was really good, and then oh, podcast really started, up. yeah. Or, Right, podcasts, some you know, some reviews on uh, on websites and podcasts has really started picking up. So, yeah, that was definitely one that that sort of built on its own. Um, but, and I think it's really odd because you know, having worked in uh, having worked in a bookstore for several years, mm -hmm. I find it extremely odd that any second printing of a book is more valuable than be less. a first printing. So, yeah, it's it's odd. Yeah, but, they're odd. But uh, you, that is true. The, there's less of them. So how do you look at right. it? Do you look at it that yeah, it's not true. the original, or you look at quantities available on the market? Yeah, well, it seems counterintuitive, but it's very true. So, but yeah, I mean, um, I think this Morning Glory or Morning Glories, they're sort of falling in behind two here. They're constantly mm -hmm. being reprinted. Like I said, I haven't read it. Don't know anything about it yet. Looking forward to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely kick in some different covers. And I, a lot of, I think a lot of times on the second round of covers, you could take and play with it a little bit. You could maybe do a single figure uh, on a second round cover that maybe you didn't want to do on the first round cover because you needed to sell the story, you know. Um, if you're going second printing, people are looking for you. So you sort of right. different deal. Um, there's a there's a pinup we got from Eddie. It's probably it's the only published piece of artwork out there, and uh, I posted it on Facebook, and I noticed Eddie reposted it the other day. So um, you get a lot of positive response. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh nice. It, it's it's a headshot of uh, Arthur and Merlin and it's a really cool piece um, and it, but it really isn't cover image because of the way Arthur sits real high Merlin's dead mm -hmm. center which is great but I'll look at this piece and I'll go this is beautiful but I can't use it for a cover I'd have to make the logo really small to fit it in do it you know just get real Camelot Fevers a lot of letters so you gotta have some right. room to put that logo on there um, he turned in another piece, which we have not gone public about, but I'll describe it. Um, we call it our one sheet, sort of our promotional poster. And the way this story sets up is the past is in gray washes and highly detailed. And the current, the, the current time is traditional comic book inks and colors. With this one sheet, what he did, he set up a single image down the middle, and he has one character from the past. He has another character from modern day with her arm around his arm pulling him across the center. So it is really cool imagery. And he's got other characters set up around the side. But that one's set up that you can lay in a, in a logo across the top and it's just knock your socks off. So a lot, well, that And it tells part of the story, part of the concept mm -hmm. of what's inside. The, showing the past, showing the present, it sort of gets you a feel of, whoa, what the heck is this? So I'm anxious to get that image out there. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks we can get it covered up and get it out there. 
Um, what do you think of those uh, covers that make the logo part of the cover image? I have, you know what I mean? It's actually ingrained within the image in some way. To me, there's only one man that could pull it off, and that was Will Eisner. Really? I just I don't like the billboards. I don't like the rock falling over top of the Incredible Hulk. Um, I'm just not a fan of it. Um, and, and actually, Will Eisner's, those were chapter titles more than they were covers. Right. Because back then there were chapter titles. Uh, and every every chapter, every story had one. He mm-hmm. was a master. Oh, my gosh. He made it fun. Um, I personally not a fan of it. Anytime you right. make the logo too busy, and I say that, and I look at Camelot Forever's logo going, hmm, okay, Bob. Um, <laughs> it, it just it takes away from it. It right. just like, okay, what's the night? If I got to look for the title, you done lost one of your strikes. It landed me. Right. Um, you know. Yeah, I was thinking when you mentioned the uh, the character or the uh, shot with Arthur and Merlin. Uh-huh. Uh huh. For some reason, I envisioned Camelot forever, but going behind them, mm-hmm. as if it was something on a wall behind them. Right. But but you know, then it occurred to me that would not be good for a first issue nope. because. They would hot. They would obscure some letters, and people would have to discern what those letters were for themselves. Yeah. And, uh, that might work out. Now, uh, that might eventually be a good thing once the book is out and catches on. Right. Yeah. Really early on, you don't want to obscure your your logo at all. You don't want a head right. in the middle of it, or you know, uh, arm or sword or Spider-Man web going across the logo. Right. Because you're trying to embed in your readership, and you're bringing in those new readers by working the medias and getting a podcast. You, they got to be able to find it. They got to be able to see it. They got, that logo's got to be clearly posted. Um, so yeah, you really don't want to mess with the logo too much in the beginning. Yeah, later on, once you're established, and you know, you, you've got that readership. It's growing. They're looking for your work. Sure, you know. You, you can play around with it a little bit at that point in time. But early on in the, in the book now, you really need to have all your buttons working for you. You need to have everything possibly there. And, and covers are busy. Let's get real. you got seconds. Mm-hmm. You have just a couple seconds to sell. And that's, that's what a cover's about. You've got to sell that property. And it, just a couple of seconds, it's unbelievable um, how quickly people will walk by you and not give you a second second look. So you got to have everything working in your favor that you can. Bill? Yeah, well, you guys were on a tear. But I was just thinking of <laughs> putting those some of those uh, things together. I was helping Chris know with, with uh, his latest pitch. Uh it's called Snack, and he has the logo that he's designed, and it stands out. He has a cover image that is sort of stark, and it's visible from several feet away easily. And he has a little bit about him, but pretty much all, the only thing I, I just had one little quibble with, uh, say, the color thing. I, I like things to, I like symmetry in some things. And that was an easy fix. He just changed uh, something to red. But it's with that, it, that would be a good example of the things that we've been talking about uh, where things have just come together. And I think it would work. And plus, as John said, that was a good point that if it's reduced down and your cover is too busy, you, you know, you're going to lose. Uh, it, it's hard to see some of these little very small squares of what something is. But. Like I said, Chris is an example of, of that cover. Is one that is done with that in mind. And I wish I could show everybody. Uh, and and, he, and it'll it'll be out there at some point. So, uh, but like I said, it's the it's the pitch cover. And uh, some of these examples that we've been talking about, uh, that's the one that springs to mind. Because you know, I have like when I had a comic store, we had the the magazine rack 
for the new comics uh, where the just the top was visible, and you know you really have to grab somebody's attention unless it's you know a, a very known title. And then when uh, Matt had his store, uh, Alternate Realities, and I was just a consultant or whatever there, he had the open. So I've, I've seen both ways work, uh, but even within those two uh, very different setups, you have to have a, an example that works in, if you're going for a store, for example, as we said before, if you're going for a store, you have to, to look at what you're going to go for. If you're going digital, I mean, we've pretty much run the gamut on, on a lot of this design stuff and, and what you really need to shoot for. And I, as well as our personal likes and dislikes maybe, but, um, so. Well, I think I think what we've really come up with you need an attractive image. You need to be able to tell the story with the image, um, and it needs to be a nice, complete package. And you need to know where you're going to take it. If you're going in stores through distributors, you need to really think about logo placement, about racking, um, and these things people really don't think about. Early on, I didn't think about where the logo should go because of where the store might rack it or put it or or something like that. So, yeah, I, I think we've pretty well nailed covers. You know, we're not going to sit here and tell you exactly how to draw your covers. Yeah, we can't do it for you, kids. you got to do your own. <laughs> well, you remember Marvel Age, the little mini... Yeah, yeah. I they, love that thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I remember... I had the best work. Ed Hannigan did a lot of cover designs and stuff. Right. And uh-huh. I mean, Ed's on Facebook and some other places too. But right. uh, yeah, it would show a cover in process and then show the the final thing. And it, if that is, if, I don't know if that's on Marvel.com, but it should be really on how to design a cover, or there should be a, an entire tutorial on that, uh, because those were just cool things to see the process, not just. Um, the characters or the, the whatever, but to see his cover design and maybe he, he designed it and somebody else drew it. That happened a couple of times, yeah. I think, right. or maybe more than that. But, uh, and to, then to see that other artist version of his, his, uh, cover layouts. So, um, now, another know, cool thing cool. you can do with that nowadays is we all got Facebooks. We all got WordPress. Now, how are your promotion that promoting this product? We have them mm-hmm. out there. Maybe you do off some roughs that you really like. You can't pick. Kick them out there. You know, let the f- people say, which one do you guys like? Finish, pick out the top two. Finish them up a little tighter. Kick them out there. Let the fans almost choose what the cover is going to be. They're the ones going to send you the money. They're the ones going to buy it. They're the ones that they that they care enough about your property. They're following you online and they're commenting on this. These are the ones that's going to go to the store and say, "Hey, I want this book, and I really think it's going to sell for you." You know, so you're building some trust within that readership, also. So, I mean, if you're not sure, throw it out there. So, I mean, there's several ways to go with it: um, bulletin boards, your own sites. However, um, maybe we could even start something over at the sketch bulletin boards. You know, um, covers kick the covers on here and, you know, get critiqued and, you know, make them better or something like that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we always uh, said we, from the very beginning, we always said we were very happy to critique people who wanted honest, real critiques of their work. So, yeah, I mean, we're not going to tear you up just to tear you up. It's not the kind of boards we have. Right. If you want honest, you know, we're going to go in there and say, look, if you tweak this and this, it's going to help yourselves, you know, or, right. man, you got it down, run with it, you know. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that might be something. I'm sure there's a uh, portfolio or something section over at Intel. I haven't been over there for a while, guys. I apologize. It's been crazy. But uh, I'm sure there's a place over there we could, they could build a page and go with it. Oh, but yeah. Use our boards and use the good people who contribute to those boards. They are great. Mm-hmm. So, um Guys, covers, I'm sure it's, again, as young as this podcast is, we will be back talking about covers. 
because we could go oh, deep into wraparound covers. We could go deep into jam covers. Um, hopefully, uh, we have some examples coming up out of our studio even. But um, I think that's it for the night. Um, what's been going on over at uh, the online, John? Oh, a few things here and there, a few things. Um, let's see, the most recent one being how to draw graffiti. Um, which used to be considered uh, kind of visual litter, but <laughs> in recent times has uh, become kind of its own little art form. And a few uh, fairly prominent people started out as graffiti artists and then went on to be uh, clothing designers. And uh, one of them became a cake maker. Wow. So... Yeah, Duff Goldman from uh, Ace of Cakes used to be a graffiti artist, but he went on to do cakes. Mark Echo, uh, you know, and I just realized I spelled his name with a K and it should be a C, but uh, Mark Echo, uh, the clothing designer of Echo Wear, which, you know, um, I'm sure every one of our, you know, 17 and under listeners has at least one Mark Echo piece of clothing right. in their wardrobe. Um, start, both started out as graffiti artists. There's quite a few of those people. So um, this is a tutorial. Uh, it's a fairly basic one, but it's a tutorial on doing graffiti. Uh, then below that, um, gave a nice little plug to Blue Line in this one as well. But Thank you. Uh, below that is one, no problem, anytime. Um, um, there is one on doing manga style paneling. Now, of course, manga style paneling is different from the what we would consider the normal comic book paneling. But the uh, artist in this one is detailed enough that I think with just a few tweaks, you could take what he says here. And if you choose not to do it manga style, but standard styles, uh, you could do very well with this. So check that out. And if you don't feel like doing that, go buy the already lined for you, or at least indicating where the lines go for you paper from blue line. Cool. All rights reserved. <laughs> um, then, then um, I did one on uh, inking a sketch card with art pens. Um, finally found a sketch card artist. Yes, I'm talking to you, Nicole Goff, that talks while they're doing their sketch cards. So uh, this young lady uh, did a fairly impressive job with, uh, with smart pens doing sketch cards. And... Um, as I mentioned in the written part here, uh, sketch cards aren't just for your convention shows anymore. They are actually their own source of income now. You would be absolutely surprised at the number of people who order sketch cards. They really want sketch cards done by people, and there are a few people making themselves a fairly good living purely on sketch cards. Okay, I got a question here. I, you do I watch that. Okay. Yeah. Does she do you, they go into detail how they market this and how they find the no, buyers? They do not, but there are there are ways to do that. Um okay. somebody future who podcast. we know through our Yes, future podcast. Uh there there are people we know through the extended uh comic related family. One of them being Scott Simmons works uh uh, for Star Wars, uh -huh. does a great number of Star Wars cards. Right. Uh, there are a few other people whose names have sadly left out of my head. Well, I know y uh, Yuko has do. done them, and uh, Joe Caroni. Yeah, Yuko does them. Right. Oh, Joe Caroni, yeah, that that's another uh, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's the Star Wars company especially. I mean, they're they're funding many sketch card artists right now, and... They're people who do nothing at shows but set up an entire table of sketch cards, and they do well because people see that as a cheap investment in getting some really fantastic art. So right. keep that in mind, all you artists out there looking for an avenue for income. Uh, they're small. Uh, you can get several in a pack. Therefore, if you foobar the image up you can just easily start over rather than you know having to go back 
as if you were doing a comic book page. Um, so, you know, keep it in mind. Check those out. Uh, of course, um, and uh, I may be talking out of school, but there's the annual sketch card event that happens every year. Yes, yes. It's still um, going so on. It's still going yes, on. So, uh, right. So keep that in mind as well. So there is that. Now, uh, the next one after that is uh, coloring with colored pencils. Now, I know that colored pencils is not the standard comic book fare. I personally like some of the effects you can get with colored pencils. So, um, well, you know, at least they get, give them a chance. Well, they got some watercolor colored pencils out that are great. That too, yes, blending. they do. Yeah, so, and uh, depending on how you use standard color pencils, they're, you can actually get a number of really good blended effects. Uh, it just takes a lot of practice and a lot of work. And you have to use really good color pencils like the Prismacolor or something like that. The dollar ninety-nine ones you pick up the grocery store aren't going to work. But no. if you get some really good color pencils, some really good paper... Uh, you'd be surprised with the effects that you can get out of them. So check that out. Then um, jumping back on the manga train for a second, uh, there is a several video inking tutorial um, where the uh, young man who's doing the tutorial goes into a great deal of detail on uh, on his process. So Awesome. It is definitely worth... Uh, it actually times out, I think, a little under, or possibly a little over a half hour. So it, it's definitely worth a half hour of your time. And you can see he's pretty much just inking the one character at this point. So, um, so check that out. And then uh, conversely, I have a fairly simple basic tutorial on just drawing comic or cartoon characters, rather, using simple shapes you know, simple lines uh, from the artist Billy Conley uh, to name some people might know uh, in the cartooning field. He's uh, he's one of those folks that, you know, does a lot of the uh, simple tutorial shows on uh, on television. So check that out. And, you know, it's always uh, there's always that famous thing that uh, all the really early comic book people and cartooning people can pretty much break down all their shapes into very simple circle squares and triangles, uh, you know, from Batman on, uh, Bob, uh, Bob Kane even said that once because it's the simplicity of the line that brings people in. So right. that's why people remember things like Mickey Mouse. So they remember the silhouette of Batman because it's simplicity. Um, now, Going completely the other end to something that's not the least bit simplistic, uh, P. Craig Russell, uh, who's won many, many awards, uh, shows his process on doing a Spectre cover uh, from several years ago. And you can see just by the still image, uh, when you click over there, that it is not the least bit simple. It's, it's incredibly detailed and... Uh, Definitely worth looking at, so go check that out. And I believe that might just bring us up to where we were before. Awesome. Great. Sounds like right. I got a few videos to watch this week. Um, yep. I got to catch up. So. Um, yeah. yeah, what's up with we're that? We're going to have to touch up on the uh, sketch cards. I made a note here. Um, I know Joe Crony. I know Yuko. Um, I'll pick their brains for the next podcast, and we'll uh, discuss sketch cards and how to do them? Yeah, that'd be a good uh, one. How to get online, you know, with with tops and stuff like that, and then truthfully, I think they make a lot of their money directly. So yeah, so yeah. Well, there's even so. people putting them on eBay. You know, they I know that of course uh, that was done during the sketch card event, right? But there are people doing that just every day, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, through advertisement and such, are doing quite well. Right. We'll save it for the podcast, but yeah, I know. I know how Joe Caroni and Yuko both do that, so we'll talk about right. it. But Bill, what's going on down at the boards and over on Comics Mentor? Um, on the boards, we're still talking about the um, well, we're talk talking about Sketch Magazine, 40 being out, uh, and of course the podcast. 
uh, every podcast has its own topic thread. Um, over on on Comics Mentor, probably the the main post this week has been the the idea that your your life is full of mentors, whether it's um, you know parents, teachers, family, friends. I mean, there are people in your life that affect your life um, in so many ways, and those people are mentors because they change your life. They have an impact. Um, so one thing I challenge everybody to do is to, if, if there's somebody in your life that has done that for you, let them know. Um, you know, I, I still try to teachers that I, you know, that I respect or, or that have done, I don't know. I just wrote, I just wrote a, a it, it's a long time overdue, but one of my college professors, I, I've been lax and, and I caught up with him. Uh, just the other day, but this is that was because I wrote that post. When I say I write it, write these things for myself. Yeah, I sure do. Um, so I took my own advice and, and wrote it, and just you know, just let them know what had happened in the intervening years. And uh, but there are more people out there, and of course I plug Sketch and, and all the things that we're doing because that's really a big part of my life anyway. So um, that's it for me on that. Cool. Um, sounds like that's got real personal with you there, bud. A little bit. Okay. Um, let's see. Over at Blue Line, we are running a 20th anniversary sale still. Um, on Blue Line Art Paper Products, you get 40% off. This runs, I extended it till November 1st. So jump in there. If you're hearing this podcast before November 1st, get in there. Save on your papers. Get your order in there. It's all papers. That's from the pros to the Strathmores to the specialty papers. Also, Mike threw on there. Get Mike is my brother who runs Blue Line. Um, get a free pack of artist sketch cards when you make a purchase of twenty-five dollars or more before shipping. So not only are you getting a great deal, but now you're getting free stuff too. Um, we know the holidays are coming up. We're really stocking up at Blue Line. We're getting tons of supplies, books. You know, so calm. We're here for you. This company was built for the comic book artist, so please, you know, go and check it out, bluelinepro.com. Um, and everybody should sign up for the newsletter, too, because there are some just absolutely crazy specials yep. in the newsletter. Yep. The last one that I got, so I encourage everyone to go over to bluelinepro.com, sign up for the newsletter. You wouldn't believe how uh, inexpensive some really great stuff is right now. On the newsletter, that's where you're going to get the blowout deals. That's where yep. when I when I get something cheap, I pass along. I know how tight things are out there. And so, and I say I, really it's the company. My brother Mike runs Blue Eye, and he's great. Um, he, we took out, we try to find stuff affordable, and we try to pass it on to you as quick as possible. So, yeah, you find out about those things really on the newsletter. There's no place to, to really highlight it on the front of the store. Um, we try some. We, we'll throw some of them out, but the newsletter comes out weekly. And just, you know, it's where all the hype goes. So, yeah, please check it out. Um, newsletter is real simple. Go on there, click on newsletter, sign up. You're on the list. So um, check it out. Um, the, the sketch site updated with the latest podcast information. The uh, sketch magazine podcast apps available over there. Um, we're gonna, probably going to be updating it, and we got some new information about the site that should intrigue you a little bit coming soon. And John, we'll talk to you after the podcast more about that. So. Um, that's where I'm at. You, you can find me at uh, Blue Line or, or Robert at Sketch Magazine or I think, what is it, podcast at sketchmagazine.net. Gets all three of us. And uh, how can they find you, John? You forgot one plug, actually, that uh, I will plug for you since you forgot it. Okay. Um, you forgot the latest Glazeway sketch is up, and <laughs> that panda has a potty mouth. So... <laughs> Go check out the latest Clay'sway sketch at uh, at Clay'sway.com. Yeah, I forget. And uh, there are now what, like four, six up there, six, six seven, Whoa. yeah, seven. Okay, yeah, we're on the there's fourth seven week. strips up there now. So yeah, I did, go I did, check them out. We we were so deep into covers and comics and stuff, we really didn't talk about the web stuff. But yeah, um, the funny thing, if you look at the blurb at the uh, at the bottom of it, anybody who knows anything about the strips so far knows it's really based off my two boys and they both have learning disabilities and so and my youngest is named Clay but I haven't thought Clay's was a cool 
lead in for the strip. And he came to me and says, Dad, the strip's good, but can you put on there that I don't say bad words? <laughs> I said, yeah, buddy. We'll, we'll make sure it's clear somewhere on there that you don't say bad words. So That was really funny. Yeah, though. and that, that, that's him tapping me on the shoulder and saying, hey, now, you know, don't make me look bad. So, <laughs> But, yeah, right. thanks, John. Appreciate it. Clayswayday.com. Hey, no problem at all. all... But uh, getting back to where you can reach me, um, you can always reach me at john at sketchmagazine.net or john at comicrelated.com. Of course, you can uh, reach me in the forums, although I don't hang out there nearly as much as Mr. Nichols does. So you can reach me through all those ways or, you know, just yell out the window. I might hear you. Bill, how are they going to find you? Um, you can email me direct at comicsmentor at gmail.com. You can find me at comicsmentor and read these things that I yak about. Or you can go to the comic-related forum and read any of our posts. Uh, like I said, the magazine, there's a whole section about Sketch Magazine, things we do and things we talk about here and um, all the podcasts. You can comment on all those and join in. Bring your cover ideas. Just what we've been talking about. Right. Email. And Sketch Magazine 40 really exists. I held it in my hand. <laughs> it's out there. Please. It's out there. Send us emails. Get us questions. Get us on track of what you want to learn. We're having fun with these podcasts. They're a lot of fun. I enjoy spending time with these two guys talking about comics. This is what we used to do in the past when we go to shows. We spend a whole weekend just talking about making comics. So this is fun for us. Tell us what you want to know. And we'll be happy to share what our knowledge, or we'll go out and find, we know people, we'll go out and find it for you if we know in advance. So you know, please come and ask us. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Take care. Good night. Good night.